My father had dementia and I certainly knew I had it before I had a diagnosis. I mean, I was, initially I did, and I thought I was just being kind of overworked and everything was too much. But of course, I realised after a while it was more than that. Hi, I'm Bobby, a certified caregiving consultant and educator and frequent presenter at caregiver conferences and webinars, where I help caregivers to learn how to respond to dementia behaviors in ways that reduce the stress for the caregiver and the person needing care. And I'm her husband, Mike, and I'm a certified caregiver advocate and a certified music therapist. And this is Roger That, the podcast dedicated to guiding you through the heavy haze of dementia. Here, we focus on the caregiver, offer our practical insights, and share some emotional support. And maybe we'll even share a laugh or two, because we all know laughter's the best medicine. And don't forget the wine, Mike. Oh, no, I won't forget your wine, my dear. (laughs) You know, the show, as we say, is designed with the caregiver in mind. And to help the caregivers understand what the dementia patient is going through, we have had Norms McNamara back in um, episode 58, who has Lewy body dementia, and Jennifer Lee in episode 73, who has frontotemporal dementia, or FTD. Yes, both of them were able to offer insights to our listeners that, you know, we certainly could not. And that brings us to today's guest who comes to us from the United Kingdom. She lives alone in a dementia-inclusive retirement village in Somerset, west of London. Previously, she worked in Africa as a doctor before working as a general practitioner for 25 years in England and was involved in medical education. Her career was cut short when she was diagnosed with young onset dementia 10 years ago. She speaks at conferences and on radio and has been involved in television programs raising awareness and understanding of dementia. She passionately believes more can be done to improve both the present and future for those living with the condition. Please welcome to our show, Dr. Jennifer Butte. Good morning, or good afternoon, <laughs> Dr. Butte. Thank you. Thank you so much for, for joining us. We are, we are absolutely thrilled to have you here. Now, my understanding is that in your practice, you, were, you had patients who had dementia. Is that correct? Yes, that's true. Yes. And of course, I didn't know as much about dementia in those days as I do now. We weren't taught much about dementia in my training, but I learned on the job. Did you want me to say a bit more about that? Absolutely. We had the the privilege in those days of always visiting patients at home if they couldn't come to the surgery or if there was a problem and we didn't understand it. And I remember one of the first um, patients that I realized had dementia was a very immaculate lady who didn't seem to be responding to the treatment. And I couldn't understand why. So I visited her at home and it was quite clear once I got to her home, which was immaculate apart from her medicines all over the floor in absolute chaos. And that was when I realized that she had dementia, but was covering it up so well because we can. And then I also um, learned um, patients would, I would always phone a patient if they didn't turn up for their appointment and ask them why not, because occasionally it was because they were too ill to come and I needed to go and see them. And they would come up with extraordinary excuses. Well, you've moved, the surgery's moved, or, oh, the surgery got burnt down last week. So that would be a good clue that I needed to think about dementia. Um, 
And then, of course, I had a wonderful patient with dementia that I used to love. I used to teach medical students and doctors. And I always used to take my medical students to visit the lady, having explained to the student about the different presentations of dementia and other things. And I said, I'm going to take you to visit a lady and I want you to to work out or tell me what you think her diagnosis is. And they never got it. They never <laughs> got it. It was so funny because she covered up so well. They would ask her about the date and she would pick up the newspaper and read it, of course. Or they'd ask her who was the prime minister and she'd say, oh, don't you know? <laughs> and they'd ask her about her husband and she'd say, oh, he's just resting upstairs. He had died and so on. But it demonstrated the point that people with dementia can cover up extremely well. We, we certainly learned that when Mike's dad was living with us and, and it often happened when I would take him to the VA hospital for his many doctor's appointments. And he would be very confused on the 40 minute drive to the hospital. Um, he, was, uh, he walked very carefully with his walker kind of bent over until we opened the door to the hospital. And then he stood up straight, pushed the walker further away from his body and would go into the doctor's office and say, she, she worries too much, I'm fine. Or she's crazy, uh, she worries too much. And um, we find that sometimes, unfortunately, doctors get fooled by this behavior. Yes, sadly, that is true. Sorry, Mike. <laughs> not, not only would he act perfectly normal and, and put on this air, but when it was over, that 15 minutes or half hour or 40 minutes, he was absolutely exhausted. It took everything out of him. Did you find that to be the case also with your patient? Well, I don't think I was aware of that then, but I know I am now. When I've been involved with something and talking or doing a lecture and everyone think, oh, there's nothing wrong with that woman. You should see me <laughs> afterwards. <laughs> no, that is certainly true, yes. You know, I, I talk about it um, as solar power. Um, we know, don't we, that solar power depends on the mm -hmm. sun. And if you're running electricity, a light bulb off solar power, it's a dark day, you know, you could run out. And the solar power kind of goes off, doesn't yeah. it, when you've run out. Whereas if you're running on the mains, which most people do, they can keep going. But if we're in a situation that drains our power... <laughs> Unless we have the sun and the right environment and the acceptance and the warmth and time to refuel, because it takes time, doesn't it, to refuel again? It, that's that's an interesting analogy, the solar power. I mean, I just, phew, that that was, uh, I'll definitely use that. <laughs> I often compare it to a flickering light bulb. You yes. Know, well, sometimes it's connected and sometimes it's not. But yeah, the solar. There's always a reason. You see, I have three principles, and one of the principles is there's always a reason. And to me, the solar power analogy just makes more sense because it tells you what you can do about right. it. Right. But everyone is different, and that's fine. We, we're all. It doesn't matter. We don't have to be the same or find the same analogies right. helpful. And our, our listeners aren't the only ones that learn from our guests. We do as well. So. <laughs> yes, definitely. Now, you had said something um, briefly in passing about acceptance. Um, if, if I remember correctly in, in reading, uh, you carry a, like a business card uh, describing your, your condition that you would hand to people. Now, do you find them to be, uh, how do you... 
see that received and how do you feel the treatment is towards you by giving him that card and letting them know? Oh, it's made such a difference. Um, it's quite a large card, okay. which I've had laminated because before I had the card, I used to get treated so badly. It was just awful, you know, in banks and the library and on buses and trains. But when I have this card, if I show it, it has a picture of me on it, a short bit on the front to explain I have dementia. And then on the back, it tells them what to do if I'm confused or lost or who to contact. And they just feel more confident, I think, coping with me because it's just a simple instruction um, and it reassures them. Other, other than uh, who to contact, you said there's instructions on what to do. What suggestions do you have for people? Since recently I'm going to do another one, but at the moment it says, if I appear to be confused, please take me to a safe place. Give me a cup of tea or play some music. And I can't remember what else it says. That's okay. But well, that's yeah. perfect, right? It's just a simple instruction for if I get lost, how to deal with it, or if I get confused. It's just a one sentence. Mm. And it empowers people to know what to do because often they don't know and they think, oh, help. And if we feel the person is like, is uncertain, it distresses us more. Whereas if the person is calm, I mean, I knew that as a doctor, if you walk into a situation which is chaos, if you're calm, in control, everything calms down. So we need people who are calm, even if inside they're not. <laughs> and, and I would imagine that it would make them much more compassionate towards you, which again is calming um, as opposed to cold. Uh, towards you. Yes. Uh, that's that's yes. a great idea. I know uh, a while back we were working with um, a group called Dementia Friendly America. And one of the things was having a business card. And that's where I got the, in my mind, a business card that you could hand to somebody. So if, if you were in an environment, whether it be a store or a restaurant or something, you can hand that to the, to the server or the people um, the cashiers or whatever, and it would help them help the person with dementia. Excellent, yes. You feel that your training as a physician helped you identify your own symptoms? Oh, yes. I mean, my father had dementia, and I've had other <laughs> close relatives with dementia, and I certainly knew I had it before I had a diagnosis. I mean, I was Initially, I didn't. I was forgetting all the passwords. I was in charge of our surgery. It was one of the biggest in the place where I worked. Um, and I thought I was just being kind of overworked and everything was too much. But of course, I realized after a while it was more than that. When you know, I'd visit a patient at home and someone would, the first time it happened, I still remember it, the lady jumped up and came over and hugged me. Well, that wasn't the kind of thing that normally happened when you visited an old person at home. And I was a bit taken aback. But a few days or weeks later, I was at a, a coffee morning and this lady was there and she told everyone that I was her father's GP and she was my neighbour. And I had completely forgotten that she was my neighbour. 
And I realized then that that wasn't being overworked. There's a lot more to it than that. Or I can remember trying to find my way to the surgery where I'd worked for 25 years and I got lost. I couldn't find my way. Well, that's not being overworked. That is not right. Mm -hmm. So I knew um, that. And it was very funny at times. I would be coming home from work. And I wouldn't know how to get home. And I would phone my husband at the traffic lights and I'd say, hello, darling. I don't know whether to go right or left at the traffic lights by the church here. And he would say, he loved me dearly, but he would say, oh, don't be so stupid. Oh, <laughs> How many times have we done that? But, you know, you have to have a sense of humor, don't you? So I bought a sat nav. <laughs> now, you've been living alone since 2011, correct? 10 years? And mm -hmm. you're in a dementia-friendly village. Can you talk about yes. uh, what is a dementia-friendly village? It's a retirement village where anyone over the age of 55 can come, where it is possible to live independently, which I do, with help when needed on a regular or irregular basis. Um, and there's also a nursing home on site and there's an advanced dementia care unit on site. So in this village, we have people at all stages. They might not just have dementia, it might be a husband and wife, one does and one doesn't. Might be someone with motor neuron disease, with Huntington's career. People who will never get better, but need help and will need increasing help. And if the couple then find one, the person can't look after their spouse, they can go to the nursing home or to the advanced dementia unit where they need one-to-one 24-hour -one, care or have care brought into your own place as you need it. So my husband found the place because he got fed up with me at home because I didn't know who my visitors were, I guess. I didn't have a clue who they were or he was, who he was at times. Oh, what are you doing in my house? Um, and I couldn't cook. So he said enough was enough. So he found this place for me and we moved here, but he sadly died just a couple of weeks after we arrived, quite unexpectedly. But I'm so glad I'm here because it's brilliant. Mm -hmm. Sounds awesome. Now, is that gated uh, to provide the safety or what we call here in the US gated community? So not just anybody can come in. Um, yes and no. The gates are locked at night. Okay. And during COVID, there have been guards on the gate. Okay. <laughs> to make sure that nobody goes out or comes in without suitable gear or provision. Um, but we have CCTV everywhere. And we have staff who watch the cameras all the time. So if someone goes missing, they can usually be found or traced. Now, one of the things that people, you know, still in their homes where they have dementia and living by themselves, sometimes um, their family members put devices on the stove so they can't turn the stove on. So, you know, nothing gets left on the stove and possibly cause a fire. Um, are you concerned that, that you may reach the point where that could be a danger to you? Well, I have. I've set the place on fire before now and the fire engines <laughs> come and the porters think it's funny and so do I at times. Well, not the last time. Um, <laughs> but 
they're very good. I mean, they, some of us then reach the stage where they disconnect the stove for us. And there are, there's a restaurant here that we can go to or they can bring us meals. But they do try and help us. And this is why we came here. It's why I'm here now, because they endeavor to keep us as independent as possible for as long as possible, because I passionately believe that many people with dementia are disabled rather than enabled. We need to be helped to do what we used to do, not told we can't do it anymore. We, they need to find ways to do it. And we try different ways. Um, and if they work for a while, that's good. And then if they don't work, um, I mean, I'm just, my son lives in, is, lives abroad um, and he's very good. And he's concerned that I'm forgetting my medication at the moment and that has disastrous consequences. I have a machine over there called Alexa. Called Alexa. <laughs> 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 <He> reminds me <laughs> when to take it, but I've got so used to her telling me that I kind of, goes in one ear and out the other. What so, should I remind you? Later, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we're trying to work out a different way of doing it. I think possibly putting music in as well would be, I think that's what we're going to do because I really do believe that music can transform things. I was delighted to hear that you, Mike, are, are involved with music because I really do believe that we're, we're primed with music and rhythm from conception. <laughs> you know, we are because the mother's heartbeat, isn't it? The mother's heartbeat and the mother's walk and the rhythm of her talk. So from conception, we're engulfed in rhythm. Uh, you know, I say that music. all the time. You got the breathing patterns, the heartbeat, the walking, chewing, all of that from the time of conception. That's why you go to the deepest, darkest areas of the world undeveloped areas of the world and rhythm plays a part in their life whether it's just clanging rocks together or hitting a stick on a log and it's been that way forever wonderful mike i quite agree with you <laughs> in an upcoming episode we'll be talking with a woman in the uk who's put together a dementia playlist of you know people songs that you can um sing along with with the words and special guests so that might be something that you want to listen to on the podcast as well i'm very much involved with music in here in england with music for dementia very much involved already yes but there are good things i mean mp3 players are excellent for some people but not for others but i'm all for having right. everything there is not one thing fits all we have to be prepared to think more um wider or whatever the word is right do things like that as opposed to just drug people yes there's no reason to drug people at all <laughs> <laughs> there is not I feel really strongly about it. When people say people with dementia have challenging behavior, I usually say challenging to who? Very good. It's to the other person. And there's always a reason, remember? <laughs> so if a person with dementia is behaving aggressively, it's because of something that has happened to them. They are, in Canada, you know, they call it responsive behavior. Hmm. I call it finding the yes to reduce the stress finding out what is behind the behavior and what we can do to make that person feel safe and comfortable. That's right. That's right. So if someone's behaving inappropriately, it's because they are not 
feeling comfortable and it needs to be dealt with and it's possible and when I do my training and teaching because I'm always learning here you see it's such a privilege to live amongst so many other people with dementia I've lived now for 10 years here and I've seen people you know from the earlier stages middle stage and the end stage I only believe in three stages <laughs> um, and I've seen how they change but the real person remains until the end right Absolutely. I passionately believe that. And I know it's true because the person just needs to be found. Right. Exactly. Exactly. They're in there. Mm. So Mike was telling me about um, how you remember that you've had your meals for the day, which I found absolutely interesting. And I think our, our listeners would as well. Yes, because I can never remember. I don't get hungry, you see. Um, so I can't remember whether I've had anything to eat or not. So the way I cope with it is I only wash up once a day. And whenever I have a cup of tea, because I've got lots of mugs um, or anything to eat, I leave the, the bowl or the glass for the fruit juice or the cup of tea in the washing up bowl. So if I think, hey, now have I had lunch today, I go and have a look in the washing up bowl and see whether I've had any lunch or not. <laughs> I, I think that's, that's wonderful. Um, except for somebody with OCD about cleanliness. <laughs> yes, the, 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 I accept that. You have to find another way, but there's always that's a exactly way, right. There? And what works for one may or may not work for another, but at least it's an option. That's right. Of course, that's brilliant, Mike. Because I get quite upset about people who think their way is the yeah, only way. Not, not necessarily. And that doesn't work in this house anyway. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> there's. There's the right way and Bobby's way, and they <laughs> typically end up the same. <laughs> the sense of humor, you're quite right. You said laughter is the best medicine. I do believe, you know, laughter can transform people with dementia. Um, I know you haven't asked me to talk about it, but I passionately believe you can get people with dementia to talk right until the end. When people say they can't talk, they jolly well can if you know how to mm -hmm. do it. And one of the ways is to get them to laugh. I don't mean to go, uh -huh, but really right. laugh. And I found out in my groups and the, the privilege of living here for so long, you know, a, a lady that was appeared to be mute almost with her dementia, with advanced dementia. And I can't remember what happened. I think it was my fault. I mean, I love it when people laugh at me. <laughs> I don't mind at all. And I think people started laughing at me and she really laughed. You know how it is when people start laughing, it gets infectious. And she was laughing and laughing. And then she turned to me and she started telling me stories about her childhood. I thought, goodness gracious me, I didn't know you could talk. <laughs> Not that much. <laughs> so laughter does unlock. Well, Mike speech gives me well. lots of reasons to laugh at him. <laughs> Usually when I hurt myself. <laughs> oh. Well, please, it's not that you're hurt, it's how you do it. I mean, come on. I kn you mentioned a Professor Kawashima's work? Yes, now he was wonderful. Um, I was lecturing in a one of the big centres in London, and he was as well. And everyone would go to other people's lectures as well. It was a three-day conference. And I went to his, and I was, it was a life-changing lecture. You know, occasionally we get these opportunities. He was a professor from Japan, and he showed video evidence of making people in Japan, you can't in England or probably can't in America either, <laughs> making people, older people, um, come to his sessions and in his sessions he did what they had to do numbers and they had to do lines and circles and writing 
and then they had to do um, kind of mental games almost and things like that and reading. And I realized, and he showed video evidence of the difference it made. He showed a lady that was lying in bed, almost vegetative and mute, being made to learn that one and one made two and to do circles. And after a month or two, she was sitting up in a wheelchair feeding herself. And another lady who was being, was showing challenging behavior, shall we say, <laughs> all the time, was made to come to these sessions and after a month or so, she was transformed and became a completely different person. And I thought, wow, why aren't we doing that in England? And I realized he was really doing reading, writing and arithmetic. And as we said about music, we're wired up from birth. Well, in England, that's how we, how, certainly when I went to school and my kind of age group, when we start at school, that's how we're taught or before we go to school. It's reading, writing, and arithmetic. Yes. You know, you yes. learn to do lines and circles, don't you? Mm. We all do that. One and one make two. Simple things. So our brain is wired up to learn and to make new neural connections when it's doing reading, writing, and arithmetic. And he found out that if you did that in the same period of time on a regular basis, it would either improve your dementia it would certainly slow it down or even prevent it showing itself. So I started groups here and I learned the hard way. I started with um, reception class, you know, kind of materials. And that did not go down very well with the adults <laughs> <laughs> for obvious reasons. So I had to do my own materials. But it's simple. Every booklet that I make, I started off with pieces of paper and it got too chaotic for me because I had this paper for that person, that paper for that person, because mm -hmm. everyone was at different stages of dementia, you know, early, mid and late. In the end, I put them all in the same booklet. So there was something for everybody in the same booklet and it made life easier for me. And amazingly, everyone else liked it. So that's how I do it. And the management here have seen the difference it's made to the community that they now finance it for me that's... because they have seen the difference. People's scores have improved, their behavior has improved and people love that's, it. That's amazing. And that's wonderful. Now, um, as we wind down here for this episode, one of the things I would like to mention briefly uh, is your dementia from the inside. Can you tell us just a little bit before we uh, close out the show? Yes, that's my book, uh, Doctor's Personal Journey of Hope. I didn't want to write it. Well, I didn't write it. I had help. I wasn't capable of writing. I can talk, but I can't spell or <laughs> read easily anymore. After my lectures and talks, people would say, have you got this in writing? Can you explain this? to me and I said no no I haven't got a book there are too many out there already and they said well we want to understand why you think this way or why you think this works or oh that was a good idea but I can't remember it can you just tell us how to get people to talk so I was persuaded to have a book and it was a long story as to how I was given ghost writers writers and book agents and in the end somebody followed me around for a year to all my lectures and recorded them 
and asked me questions about my childhood and everything in the car, all the hours we spent on the, on the motorways. And then they wrote the book, which my family and myself checked for accuracy. Well, what a wonderful gift. Well, so it's to help yeah. other people. Right. It's not, you know, people are nosy, they'd like to know about me, but I want to help other people. I don't want them just to think, oh, this interesting woman. I want to help other people and make a difference Absolutely to them. Absolutely understood. Bobby, you were saying? I, I'm just saying what a gift to people with dementia and the people that care about them and want to help to enable and not disable. Yes. And yes. Uh, we will put links on the website to you, um, your website, and also your book on the Roger That um, pages so that people can turn around and get in contact with you via Facebook or your website. So we're, we will be doing that also. Thank you very much. And the, the weekly blog I do is really stories of, of this village, really, of what I'm learning, because I'm still learning. And when I learn a new way of dealing with something, then I make a blog about it so we can learn together. Absolutely, and, and I will be looking at that on a regular basis. I am so glad to have met you here. You are lovely, you are a delight, and thank you so much for sharing what you've learned as you go along and helping so many people. Thank you very much for the opportunity. Thank you. Wow, I, I'm really on that uh, analogy of this, the solar power. That just, once again, an aha moment from somebody that's been on the show. I, I love that. And one thing I, I think about, you know, we mentioned Norms and Jennifer Lee about their prior episode, but also when she said that she's still learning and she can learn and other people can learn, it reminds me of episode 69 with Ann Kelly, where she said people with dementia can learn and we had that whole episode on dementia learning what did you the solar power analogy stood out to me um her talking about it's a privilege to live where she is and how she learns from the people around her and i will not forget the caregivers are often disabled rather than enabled because too many caregivers and us, when we first went into it, did not understand how much someone with dementia is capable of doing. And we have a tendency Correct. to step in and do things for them. And it, that can be very frustrating for, for both. Sure. And stressful. And with the stress comes the issues. Absolutely. You can find more information about Dr. Butte on our show website at rogerthat.show. This has been Roger That. I'm Bobby. And I'm Mike. And we are dedicated to guiding you through the heavy haze of dementia. So please subscribe to the show, go to iTunes or the Roger That Facebook page and post a review, and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. If you have a question or issue you'd like for us to address, please post on the Roger That Facebook page. If you would like your identity to remain private, you can direct message your question on Facebook and we will answer. To find out more about us, head over to rogerthat.show. It's Roger, R-O-D-G-E-R, that, dot show. Roger That is produced by Missing Link, a media podcast company dedicated to connecting people to intelligent, engaging, and informative content. Also in the Missing Link lineup of podcasts is the Designated Drinker Show, the podcast raising the bar on craft cocktails. Here you meet interesting folks, enjoy boozy banter, 
and learn how to make craft cocktails from a master. And if you're looking for a whole new way to enjoy theater, check out Between Acts, an immersive audio theater podcast experience. Each episode takes you on a spellbinding journey through the works of newfound playwrights, from dramas to comedies and all those in between. Find Missing Link's League of Podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcast. Please don't forget to subscribe, download, and review the shows as your review helps our show reach new audiences. To find out more about Missing Link, visit missinglink.company.